Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com Welcome back to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCullough. We're delighted to continue in our conversation with Emily Espahani-Smith. She is a writer who writes normally about psychology, culture, and relationships. Her writings have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, regularly in The Atlantic, The New York Times, Time Magazine. She's also a columnist for The New Criterion, as well as an editor at the Stanford University's Hoover Institution, where she manages the Ben Franklin Circles Project. She's also been a frequent uh, appearer on television, and we're delighted to have a conversation with her about her book, The Power of Meaning, Crafting a Life That Matters. Um, And this here is the voice of Clarice Connolly. She's my in-studio guest co-host today. You can find out more about Clarice and her work by going to heartandsoul.coach. Clarice, we were just into something before the break. Yes, I was um, struck by you're saying, you know, working on your own story creates greater wisdom and, you know, sharing your story and the short, the storytelling piece creates that belonging. So the piece for me that's, you know, really stuck out having been home for the holidays and oh, yeah. really just having this enormous paradigm shift about, you know, accepting and letting go of expectations and, and really, I think, just having this pivotal moment in my entire life about my story um, I, that just hit hard for me. And so how do you define like working on your story? I like that because you gave us a little of your story when you asked the question about story. A lot of it. <laughs> nice. Um, well, Clarice, yeah, thank, thank you. And I, I'm so happy to hear that you, you feel like you've reached this point of resolution in your story. And I, I think that happens to a lot of people. And I think it happens just through reflection. I, I know I'll, I'll just speak from my own experience that, you know, if, if something has happened to me or if I'm struggling with, you know, part of who I am or trying to understand how some event in my childhood shaped me or how some turning point in my life has led me to where I am today, I spend a lot of time just thinking about it. You know, when I'm at the grocery store, it's on my mind. When I'm on a run, it's on my mind. And that thinking and thinking and thinking is is the process of sense making. You're trying to make sense of of these experiences, these thoughts that you're having. And I think that after doing it for enough time, that you can you you're able to make meaning around it and come to come to maybe realize something that you hadn't realized before. Come to perhaps even shift your perspective, which it sounds like is what happened to you. And so. Reflection is one way, and, and of course, writing, which is another form of reflection, is, is another way that you could do that. Absolutely, I love that piece. That's I think that's so great because it really takes, like you were saying, the pieces of finding purpose, and like when you can kind of sit down and reflect, you can actually find the purpose in each interaction or each situation that kind of comes through you through life. So that's so great to be able to interconnect actually all three of these, in, in my sense. <laughs> I noticed that as you laid out the the four pillars, as you described them, of meaning, belonging, get that one, purpose, can see the value of that one, storytelling you've you've shared with us. And you said the the fourth one, if I heard you right, was transcendence. 
that's one that, you know, as sort of a, you know, meat and potatoes sort of, uh, I believe it when I see it kind of human being. Transcendence, uh, I find a little bit challenging. What do you mean by transcendence? And is there anything I can sink my teeth into there? Transcendence is uh, is those those moments when you are kind of, you, you step outside of ordinary waking experience and connect with something far greater than yourself. So, you know, religious experiences are, are maybe the obvious example of that. So maybe you're meditating or praying and all of a sudden your, your sense of self diminishes or, devolves or dissolves as you feel connected to God or, or the ultimate reality or, or what have you. But these are also experiences that, that you can have listening to music, seeing art, uh, being in nature is a really great example. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with Ralph Waldo Emerson and the transcendental movement that he was part of in the 19th century based around Boston. And Emerson wrote all the time about how nature was kind of a portal to something greater than what we are and that how when he's in the woods walking, his sense of self starts to dissolve as he feels connected to something that, that's beyond himself, something beautiful that's deeper and, and feels meaningful to him. Nice. So, yeah, I can sink my teeth into that. The, the notion of something larger than us, as you say, not always um, religious but spiritual, although you can find it also with religion, but the notion, whatever that is, of something larger than us, that we're going to, that there's something that connects us, that energy, that whatever it is, spirit for us. When exactly mm-hmm. when you started this out, I, I'm I'm imagining in my mind's eye that you started the book with one idea, and then it sort of took hold of you as you went. Is that is that true? And if so, what what shifted? What as you sort of went through and talked to all these people and got the personal narratives and did the research? What what shifted for you, if anything, about your understanding or your relationship to meaning? Uh-huh. When I was growing up, I was just really interested, you could even say obsessed, with the question of meaning. And I grew up in a, in a spiritual household. My parents were Sufis, which is a, wow. a school of mysticism that's associated with Islam. So, you know, for your listeners, probably the most famous Sufis are the whirling dervishes. Mm-hmm. Um, Rumi, the poet, was another famous Sufi. So... So this was a very mystical practice grounded in meditation and service and loving kindness. And so as a child, I was surrounded by people whose lives were very meaningful. As I got older, I, and you know, we, 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 you know, moved from Canada to the United States and kind of started leading a little bit more of a normal life. And so I started wondering, you know, do you have to be religious or spiritual to to lead a meaningful life, if you don't believe in God, what are the implications for that on meaning? And I think I had this idea that you, you know, the, me, you know, the meaning, you had to know what the meaning of life was in order to lead a meaningful life. Right. And that idea was, was kind of still with me as I wrote the book. And what I discovered was that no, that these are two separate questions. The meaning of life and, and finding meaning within life are separate questions. And that the meaning of life, though a fascinating question, 
is is different from this this issue of how do I go about my day to day life and try to be a good person and find fulfillment. And so, as I wrote the book, I started focusing more on that second question, and I realized that you you can lead a meaningful life without knowing what the meaning of life is, and that to add to that, you could when you are leading a meaningful life, you kind of feel more peace and resolution about the meaning of life question. So maybe you don't figure out what the meaning of life is, but that, you know, you're no longer facing the kind of existential dread that you were before if you're living a meaningful life. It's interesting. I I think existential dread is a beautiful (laughs) phrase that that, um, (laughs) describes what what a lot of us experience. So do you think that's that's your ultimate contribution here is the is sort of the the uh if not completely addressing it at least the fending off of the existential dread i i certainly hope that that's what the book does or one thing that the book does i think i i i like you said you know we all experience these moments of dread where we are wondering you know what's the point of my life is anything that i'm doing moving the needle forward am i doing what i'm supposed to be doing and i know you know we all suffer from these from these moments of doubt and some people suffer much more than others and sadly it seems like more people are are suffering today than they were in decades past because you know rates of depression are rising the suicide rate hit a 30 year high last spring wow and so this there's this despair i think that is seizing people and um, and I, I wrote my book because I wanted people to see that you can lead a meaningful life and you can find meaning even if you don't know the answer to all those big questions and that those big questions are separate from the reality that you can make a difference in another person's life and that that will bring meaning, that you can cultivate a, a sense of belonging with someone and that will bring meaning, that you can understand your own life story and that will bring meaning. Oh, I was, it's, it's definitely Clarice's turn, but I cannot not ask the next question, <laughs> which is that, so, so in my lifetime, I've seen such a swing towards technology and I'm aware of so many shifts in the culture that technology has brought. Do you think that this, how do you think that that has impacted our need, utility and or interest in meaning and what you were just sharing, because I I see them connected. I'm wondering if you do, or if you've got any research about that. I I don't have any research about it, but my my intuition is that there that technology has contributed to this yearning for meaning that people have and are experiencing, and I think. I think, you know, there's a number of reasons for that. One of the obvious reasons is that technology is, is wonderful and it's, um, it's created at the same time so many distractions for us that can kind of keep us living on the surface of life rather than really engaging with life deeply and, and engaging with those things that make our lives meaningful. I think another reason is that technology has brought us so much. It's cured diseases. It's helped to create vast levels of wealth in society. It's just, it's contributed to human progress. And so it's opened up, it's opened us up to being able to ask what, what is the meaning of life? Now we can ask those questions. 
So great talking to you. And that music tells us, of course, it's time for another break. Here's my declaration to you, Clarice. This year, we will get rid of these breaks because they're always like in the critical moment, right? Emily Esfahani-Smith, when we come back, we'll have more with her. Stay with us. It's The Coaching Show. Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today. This is Bill Gruber with BizVid Communications, a Southern California video production leader. We've been honored to sponsor, produce, write, and host many of the fine programs on WS Radio over the years. So we understand how important the internet and your website exposure are. As video producers, we know the tricks and secrets to incorporate video to increase your search engine optimization and business success. Visit bizvidcommunications.com to see what we can do for you. B-I-Z-V-I-D communications.com. Looking to be a successful entrepreneur? The virtual assistant industry continues to be a top choice for those looking to start their own business. The problem can be how to become a virtual assistant. Many turn to the Bible of the VA industry, the book, Virtual Assistant, the series. And it's the perfect guide for office managers, executive assistants, and other administrative professionals looking to make the transition from employee to successful business owner. Go to vatheseries.com to get your copy today. You were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're in a job you don't like or are unemployed, if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, then the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Olsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many people get on the right path and clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step to realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting thereinventionworkshop.com today. No more delays. No more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to thereinventionworkshop.com today. That's the reinventionworkshop.com. Cybersecurity is the fastest growing job sector. The San Diego Mayor's Cyber Cup encourages kids to consider computer security as an interesting course of study and a valuable career path. Securing our eCity helps lead this youth competition to create interest and awareness among students and their schools. The San Diego Mayor's Cyber Cup. Learn more at securingourecity.org or call 619-630-2444. 